You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Built for Tough F-Series have been the best-selling trucks for 42 years straight. And Ford F-150 is built to get the job done. Drive it like a Ford. F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's only at your neighborhood Ford store. You're listening to Steelers Nation Radio, SNR, WDVE, HD2, Pittsburgh. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Takes it his own 17-yard line up to the 50, the 20, the 25, the 30. He's off to the races. 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. There goes Deontay Johnson with a punt return touchdown. I don't see any markers down to you. First punt return for a touchdown by a Steeler since 2015. <laughs> wow. When Antonio Brown did it against the Indianapolis Colts. No Wesley Euler or Arthur Motes today on the Steelers Blitz. Instead, you got the Steelers Saturday crew hanging with you. Kellen Gersku, my main man, sitting right across from me. I, of course, am Tom Opperman. We'll be hanging out with you for the next two hours, talking a big Steelers mm. win as they get to 8-5 and five over the Arizona Cardinals. And the reason why we played that Deontay Johnson clip coming in to start the show is because Kellen and I were talking off the air. Without a doubt in our minds, there was a lot of plays made in that game against Arizona last, yesterday afternoon, but that, in our minds, was the biggest one by far oh, in the game. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it was... A lot of turnovers that could you yeah. know, have a little gripe with that saying, but Sure, I, I think we both agreed that that was the biggest Well, I think part of it, too, is the fact that, well, as Steelers fans, we haven't seen that in three, four, three, years, four years, whatever it is. And, and also, Deontay Johnson, the first Steelers rookie to return a punt for a touchdown since Antonio Holmes did it in 2006. So it's a pretty big deal uh, what Deontay Johnson did. It was a huge play. Um, I mean, it really flipped the momentum in the Steelers' way. They were up 10 nothing at that point. A huge touchdown, I mean, because, as we know, the Steelers only won by seven points in that ball game. Uh, obviously, you could say any touchdown was the difference in that game, but, but I think that one had the biggest impact for sure. Certainly a lot of positives, definitely some negatives that we're going to unpack with you guys over the next two hours here. But since you get the win, you go to 8-5, and five, figure why not start with the positives. The Steelers don't extend their lead in the wildcard race because, unfortunately, the Tennessee Titans also right. won yesterday to go to 8-5. and five, But they hold Pat in the sixth seed, setting up a big-time matchup with the Buffalo Bills next Sunday night for that five seed. Devlin Hodges, got to start with the Duck. Another really solid performance from him. The yardage doesn't really jump out at you. He threw for 152 yards. But he was 16 for 19, only incomplete on three of his pass attempts, no interceptions, quarterback rating over 100. If you're a fourth-string undrafted quarterback from Sanford heading into the season and you go 16 for 19, <laughs> I don't care what the yardage <laughs> is. You did your job because yeah. I guarantee you that the main thing that the Steelers coaching staff has instilled in young Duck Hodges in his last couple starts is don't turn the ball over mm -hmm. and just be as efficient as you can, and he was. You're right, and what did Tomlin say from the beginning? Why did you go? Why are you going with Duck? 
He doesn't kill doesn't us. Doesn't kill us. And he hasn't killed them in every game that he's started. And let me remind you, he's undefeated as a starter. I know he's only played in three – started three football games. The first undrafted rookie mm-hmm. to win his first three starts yeah. in the NFL. It's amazing. And, and again – Warner didn't even do that. No. And, and we've talked about it on our Saturday show. I think the world of Duck Hodges, uh, his story is incredible. And we've said it. You know, he could turn it up into a pumpkin in any, any, any one of these games. I mean, they make the playoffs. This is a Disney-esque story. Dis- uh, I mean, he, Disney's knocking on your door. No. Hey, Disney <laughs> – Plus next year we want the Duck Hodges story. instead of uh, Donald Duck. It's yes. uh, Devlin Duck. Uh, we might might see a uh, a show on Disney Plus in the next couple of years. But um, but yeah, man, he he was about as good as you can be uh, yesterday. I mean, sixteen and nineteen only had three incompletions, and you said you know the yards really weren't there, but they didn't force the ball down the field much. The Steelers did not. That was not part of the offense yesterday. They sure they took a couple shots, but it was more underneath stuff and and quick hitters and and that's the one thing I do admire about about Hodges is that his anticipation on throws is is so good for a, a guy like we keep saying that's from Sanford, a, a undrafted guy. He anticipates guys coming out of their breaks better than a lot of quarterbacks. He does it better than Mason Rudolph, in my opinion, and that might be one of the reasons he's playing, but. He anticipates throws so well, and that's part of our that's part of arm talent, right? I mean, he doesn't have a big arm. He knows he doesn't have a big arm. I think anybody looking at him knows that he doesn't have a big arm. But you can tell that that he anticipates guys coming out of his breaks. And if I throw this quick enough, this guy's going to be open, and I'm going to hit him right in stride. And he, he does that better than I think anybody could have anticipated. And I don't think you saw more of an example of what you were just saying there, Kellen, than on his touchdown pass yeah. to Deontay Johnson. Absolute bullet of a Yo. pass. I mean, great ball right towards the pylon, towards the out-of-bounds. You position Deontay Johnson to where he's the only one yep. that can make that catch, and you got to tip your cap to the rookie wide receiver yeah. for getting his feet down in bounds and making a very spectacular catch on a very spectacular pass from Devlin Hodges. Right, and and that you're right. That wasn't an easy throw Not by any all. means. He's on the right hash, throwing it across the field to the pylon, and that was his throw the entire way. Yeah, there was he, no yep. reading through his progressions. No. He looked right at Deontay Johnson and. Fired right, and, and and one of two things was going to happen on that play. Either a, it was going to be a well, actually one of three things were going to happen. Either a, it was going to be a touchdown to Deontay Johnson. It was going to be an incompletion, or three, it was going to be a pick six. If he was late on that throw at all, right, that dude has a, an easy pick six. But you know what, he wasn't, and like I said, he anticipates that type of stuff so well, and it was an absolute bullet. It is risky there, like you said, if you do kind of throw on the inside instead mm-hmm. of the outside, it could be jumped and taken yeah. to the house for the Arizona Cardinals. But based on where he threw that ball and looking at hindsight, there were really only two. Right. He was either going to sure. be a catcher or it was going to be incomplete out of bounds. Yeah. And that's what you want. You want to put it in a spot where only your guy can make a play on it. Exactly. And if he can't make the play, oh, well. It, like Tomlin says, it doesn't kill us. Right. But Deontay Johnson, uh, just wow. we just mentioned him catching that touchdown pass and on our Saturday show this week, Kellen, we said, you know, James Washington has kind of emerged as that number one since Juju's been down. He's had a couple of big weeks. He's stacking good performances mm-hmm. together. He's becoming the guy that we all thought James Washington could be when the Steelers drafted him last year. But we needed to see somebody else step up, kind of right. like we've been saying for Juju all year long. You know, Juju hasn't really been able to get a lot of traction as that number one wide receiver. It's not all on him, though. He needs a supporting cast around him, and yep. the players aren't stepping up. And now that kind of shifted towards James Washington, mm-hmm. where, hey, James Washington's going to go out there, and he's a guy that you can probably trust now in the offense to be a receiver that's going to make some big catches. But he can't do it alone, and he didn't do it alone. He didn't have the most catches of the game, and he mm-hmm. didn't have the most yards of the game because that goes to the rookie, Deontay Johnson, who is starting to show that, yes, 
He makes rookie mistakes. Sure. Last week against the Browns was not his best game. Mm-mm. But he more than made up for it with this game against the Cardinals with that punt return that we played coming back from break. And just some big catches, especially late in that game, including the touchdown catch that really helped the Steelers out in the passing game, in a limited passing yeah. game by design. Right, right. And Deontay has been, uh, for the most part, he's been pretty good all year long. And a lot of people on these airwaves have said, especially Matt Williamson, Matt is kind of infatuated with with Deontay. He thinks that he could be really, really good. And I think he's shown flashes of that and yes he's still a rookie he's gonna make mistakes we all know that you know the 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 game against the Browns comes to mind the interception that Duck threw was a a miscommunication between Duck and Johnson but you're right Deontay more than made up for it he had 76 uh, offensive yards and then had an 85 yard punt return for a touchdown and also had a receiving touchdown as we talked about he has kind of been at least in the game against Arizona, and a couple times this year, he's kind of been a, a spark plug that, that 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 offense needs. That that play that he made, where he reversed field to set up the two yard touchdown pass from Hodges, I believe it was anyway. Uh, that that the was end, a sp- the end around that was blown up, and he, he said, the, uh, "Yeah, the swing pass," exactly and then he the he way. went the other way. Uh, I mean, if he gets tackled by the line of scrimmage, you're you're probably going to kill that guy. You're probably like, "Are you kidding me? What are you doing?" But you know what? He didn't, and he turned it into like a 15, 20-yard play, and it sets up a touchdown. That's the type of thing, you know, you said it to me yesterday when we were watching the game. That was kind of A-B-esque. And so was the punt return. So was the punt return, right. And, and again, I hate drawing that comparison to Antonio Brown because of the sour t- taste that he left when he left. Not only that. But it's unfair to Deontay right. Johnson to sure. say, hey, you look a lot like who was the best wide receiver right. in football for the past five, right. six right. years. But, it's unfair to a rookie. Right. But he, you know, he has the same build. He has the same mold. He's a great route runner. From a Mac school. You know, it's an easy comparison. The parallels are there. Yes, for sure. But uh, he's he still has a long way to go to get there. But in his rookie year, he has been nothing but impressive, in my opinion. No, and again, it was so key for him to step up in that game against the Cardinals and give James Washington a little bit of help. Not a bad game for James Washington. Kind of quiet, four catches on all four of his targets for 33 yards. His long was 12, so he wasn't really taking the top off of the defense like you're used to seeing from a James Washington. Instead, the guy who caught the longest pass of the day (laughs) was Deion Kane, and it was a spectacular combat catch. Mm -hmm. Kellen, we were talking in the DVE studio during the postgame show last night. You know, Deion Kane's a guy that has pedigree, mm-hmm. and we were looking up his college stats, and this is a guy that failed a couple drug tests back at Clemson, yep. and that starts to get in the back of my head is maybe that's why he fell to the sixth round yeah. where he was, because he had over 900 yards in his last season at Clemson, nine touchdown catches yeah. for the Clemson Tigers and went en route to winning one of their national championships. Right. So this guy was a key contributor on a Clemson team that was very, very good. And you think that that could translate to the NFL. It just hadn't yet. He spent a lot of time on the Colts practice squad right. until the Steelers have signed him and given him a shot. And, yeah, he only was targeted that one time in that game. But if you're going to get one target, make the most of that target yeah. because I guarantee you he's going to get a lot more looks moving forward, especially if he's going to be able to make combat catches yeah. like he did on the 22-yard pass from Duck Hodges. Yeah, and it was a good throw by Hodges, too. A uh, back High shoulder. Pointed, yeah, yeah and, and Maybe a little OPI, but sure, hey, you got to try to get away with right, everything you can right. for Deion Kane. Yeah, and, and, and Kane continues to do that type of stuff. And it's kind of been a... a, a a theme this year that the Steelers have had these guys that no one really has heard of backups third string guys guys from practice squads come in 
and they're contributing. You, know, you don't see this type of thing that often. But Deion Kane has made the very most of his opportunities. You know, we, we saw his uh, catch, was it last week or two weeks ago? He had a, a, a nice downfield play, and then he had an, uh, he drew a defensive pass interference. A couple of DPIs already on his resume. I mean, those are little small things. But when you're a guy that gets signed off a practice squad or you're a fourth-string guy, and then you do that, man. That that helps your confidence, and it, it shows. Hey, I can play. I can play at this level. I, I can do this. And again, the Steelers have they keep finding these guys that nobody's heard of yet. They continue to contribute. And oh, by the way, the Steelers are sitting at eight and five with three games to go in the year. It's insane. It's very impressive. And again, the ability for a Colbert and a Tomlin in the front office to find guys off the scrap heap like a Kareth White yeah. or Deion Kane. And again, just the point on Deion Kane is. This is a guy, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself right now, but, you know, with Kareth White, he's from Florida Atlantic. He was drafted in the seventh round. Mm -hmm. Those are guys that you don't really expect too much of to happen in the NFL. You know, he was drafted, though, so there was a team out there that thought, hey, he could make an mm -hmm. NFL roster. He unfortunately found up wound up on the Bears practice squad, yeah. and now he is on an NFL roster with the Steelers. Devlin Hodges is from Samford, you know, <laughs> not a high pedigree guy. No. But when you're a wide receiver from Clemson, especially in this Dabo Sweeney regime of yeah. Clemson, wide receivers are unbelievable at mm -hmm. that school. So Deion Kane is a guy that I look at and say this year he's probably going to keep taking more of a smaller role, especially as Juju gets healthy. Sure. He's going to move himself down on the depth chart of wide receivers. But he's a guy that especially if he can kind of play some special teams for you mm -hmm. next year, he could find himself on the field for as that fourth wide receiver yeah. uh, uh, for at least maybe four or five targets a game. Right. And again, don't He's, be him and Kareth White are playing for their future. Oh yeah, now. definitely. And I think, They're I think succeeding. Yeah. I think both of them have a, a legit shot to be on this roster next year. I know that's a ways away, but at this point, like we keep saying for guys that are on practice squads that were four string guys that don't get these types of looks very often, it's a big deal for them, and they're playing like it's a big deal for them. And, you know, it, I hate to say this, but it's almost been a blessing in disguise that, that Connor and Juju have been beat up all year because you really do get to see what you have behind them. And, again, like like Deion Kane and White and, and even Benny Snell, you look at them and go, oh, okay, may, maybe they can play in this level. Maybe with a bigger role and a little bit more experience, they can be our our, our maybe not our main guys going forward, right. but they can be contributors to this team, whether it be on special teams, whether it be – like for Kane, one target a game, but you know what? He catches it. And again, we keep saying it, but it's amazing that these guys are doing what they're doing. Speaking of Benny Snell and shifting our focus to the running game here for a little bit, he really had trouble with this. Yeah, he did. He could not get anything going. He had 16 carries for 41 yards. That's an abysmal 2.6 yeah. yards per carry average. But the good news is between Devlin Hodges, <laughs> Kareth White, and a little bit of Jalen Samuels and a Deontay Johnson reverse, the Steelers mm – -hmm hit the 140 mark yeah. on their rushing yards, 35 carries as a team. They averaged four yards per carry as a team. So, yeah, Benny Snell football was not a thing against the Arizona Cardinals, yeah. but as a collective, they were able to run the ball successfully yep. for the tune of 140 yards. We've said a lot on our Steelers Saturday show. I feel like everybody in this Pittsburgh Airwaves have said that you need to run the ball if you're the Steelers mm -hmm. team. It's the only way that you can really have some success as an offense, and they did it again, granted against a pretty bad Cardinals defense. Sure. But still, you got to go out there and make the plays happen. And Kareth White, five <laughs> carries, 
he did in 11 less carries what Benny Snell yeah. did as far as yards total. He had 41 yards on just five carries, averaging 8.2 yards a carry. He had a long of 13. And, and then Duck Hodges contributed <laughs> 34 yards on the ground himself, and that 22-yard run was big for Yeah, him. it was. Yeah, and that's something that, that, again, it's not Hodges' forte, but it's something that he can do. And he ran for over 1,000 yards in his career at Samford. I know could, that doesn't, you can tell he's mobile. Right. I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, 1,000 yards in a career, but he's obviously up over a couple hundred yards every single year he's played. Lamar did that in 14 weeks. <laughs> right, year. right, right. So, again, not his forte, but it's great that he's showing that he can do it. And he is. you can tell he's just an athlete. You can tell that he, he knows right away, oh, okay, I can run this for five yards or whatever it might be. And that, But you said it, that 22-yarder was huge. And I do want to mention this. Uh, I know we got to go to a break here soon. But with Benny Snell, I really don't – I don't know why the Steelers – a lot of his carries yesterday were to the outside. Yeah. Benny is a type of guy, at least to me, that's got to run in between the tackles. That's, that's his bread and butter. And most of the time when he runs in between the tackles, he's got his shoulder down and he's hitting a linebacker. And I said this to you yesterday. He falls forward almost every single time he touches the ball, right? And so if, if you're the Steelers, let him go straight ahead. Let him go right through the tackles. Don't make him go outside. That's not his forte by any stretch. I think that's more Kareth White's uh, forte or even even Samuels's forte. It's kind of outside handoffs. Samuels handoff. especially. Yes. So I, I would think that, again, I know yesterday wasn't a good day for Benny Snell, but you saw flashes when he ran inside the tackles. Oh, that's that's where the Steelers got to get him going more. I think he's got to be more in between the tackles, right up the middle type stuff. Don't give him outside sweeps. The only negative uh, rusher in the Steelers' box score was <laughs> Jordan Barry with minus eight yeah. yards. And we'll get into that whole debacle coming up in a little bit on this show. But when we come back, we're going to shift our focus to the defensive side of things. It's time to stop burying the lead. That defense went out there and won a football yep. game for your Pittsburgh Steelers once again against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get into that when we come back. It's Tom Opperman, Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler Remotes right here on the Steelers Blitz. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Murray in the gun, gets the snap, he's back, chased out of the pocket, rolls left. Still on his feet. He wants to throw it. He does under great duress. And the pass is going to be intercepted by Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden with his second pick of the game. His third in two weeks. And that ends any Arizona hopes. He's just a quality, low-maintenance, high-production veteran player. Um, and, and Steve as well. Obviously, Joe made the splash to condition. But I can't say enough about both of those low-maintenance, high-production veteran corners that that provide a nice half floor for us in terms of performance. Tom Offerman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler Remotes on the Steelers Blitz today, and that was Mike Tomlin speaking about Joe Hayden after you heard his game ceiling interception against the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. He's also mentioning a little Steve Nelson in there mm -hmm. as well. The guy I want to focus on to start this defensive segment is Joe Hayden. And yeah. Is this a guy that's stolen Minka Fitzpatrick's powers a little <laughs> bit? I mean, Joe Hayden with three interceptions in the last two games. He had two interceptions in this game against the Cardinals. And Tomlin mentioned in that clip, you know, he, 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 he referenced Steven Nelson, mm -hmm. which is great because you got to because Steven Nelson yeah. was phenomenal again. He had one bad play mm -hmm. in that game where he let someone get around him and it was a deep pass. But other than that, perfect game from Steven mm -hmm. Nelson. Again, he, he had seven tackles too, yeah. so he's helping out in that front. 
But with Joe Hayden, he said he's the guy that deserves the credit because he's the guy that was making the splash plays. Yeah. And you heard a lot from Tomlin over these past couple of years that the defense is good when they get pressure on the quarterback, but what they're lacking is splash. Mm-hmm. They need something that can really change the course of a game. And my God, it's just night and day this year. We've said it's all year long on our Steelers Saturday show. This this defense is phenomenal at forcing turnovers. And Joe Hayden yesterday against a team that does not turn the ball over very often no. was a plus three in turnover differential and, and top five in giveaways in the NFL heading into this game. They forced them into three turnovers. Joe Hayden had two of the interceptions. And you just can't say enough about what Joe Hayden's been able to do, what the secondary's been able to do, and what this defense as a whole, as far as getting splash plays, has been able to do all year long. And those splash plays are, are winning football games. You can't even deny it. They're winning right. football games. One of the main reasons why they're 8-5 and five is because of these splash plays on the defense. Oh, there's no question about it. Uh, I, I firmly agree with you. This defense, at this point, I, I think it's pretty safe to say it is one of, if not the best unit in the, in the league. I'll take them over the Patriots right now. 100%. They have kind of cooled down a little bit yep. on their takeaways uh, yeah. up in New England. And, and, and I know just keep, the la- I know that they didn't force a turnover in the Cleveland game right. a couple Thursdays ago, but... That's Other than that, in the New England Patriot game at the beginning of the year, they've had a turnover in every game. Right, and I know they gave up 17 points to not a great offense, but at the same time, you have to take into consideration that, you know, like we keep saying on our Saturday show, the, the other guys are on scholarship too. You know, <laughs> Kyler Murray was played quarterback for Arizona, and, and Kyler Murray's pretty good. I, I know that they turned him over, you know, three times, but he's pretty good. And and to do what they did to that offense and and to force three turnovers and to hit Kyler Murray and to sack Kyler Murray five times, there's no denying that the defense has been great this year. There's no denying that it has been I mean, it's been the key cog in this whole thing. That's one of the main reasons they're eight and five. Let's 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 be honest here. But again, they've got they've gotten continuous splash. They've got continuous big plays from the defense, and then they get a big play from the special teams yesterday. Yes. That was a, a huge deal. That's but very much in its own right, a splash play. Yes, but the defense has been this way all year long. And and the, one of the craziest things about uh, one of the craziest stats about the game yesterday is that uh, the team had five sacks, but T.J. Watt didn't have a single one. That doesn't happen often, but that just shows you how good this defense can be. When T.J. Watt doesn't have a sack yet, the team still has five. Uh, that tells you that you're doing something right on the defensive end. It was funny. I work in the postgame show. Stan, you know, <laughs> we coordinate what play, yeah. play, play clips we want to come back with to break what he's going to talk about. And he was going to go on to the defensive side of the things, and he said, Tom, do we have a T.J. Watt sack? <laughs> or he didn't even say, do we have? He said, can you play a T.J. Watt sack? And me and Charlie Batch were both kind of like, Actually, Stan, he didn't have a sack today. And oh, Stan was like, oh, wow. That's yeah, right. just illustrating how surprising it is. It's come, yeah. become almost of a, a status quo thing. That, oh, yep, TJ Watt, just right. another ho-hum. He gets another sack because he just gets it. He's been averaging a sack all year <laughs> heading into this game. Uh, unfortunately, he falls off that pace by not getting a sack in the 13th game here. But he played great, had a big interception yeah. in the end zone on a fourth down. Honestly, on a play where Kyler Murray could have run for the first down, yeah. that was maybe more of a rookie mistake than a great play by TJ. But still, it counts the same as yep. in the stat book. He gets an interception there. And you mentioned the pressure that they were able to force on uh, Kyler Murray all game long. Five sacks, six quarterback hits, and no one was more instrumental in that than one Bud Dupree, who yeah. was, especially early on in that football game, was an absolute monster. Uh, only Steeler to have two tackles for losses in this game. He had a sack. He was in Murray's face in the backfield all game long, had a quarterback hit. He was 
phenomenal as he always has mm -hmm. been at sealing that edge and forcing runs to go back up the middle because he was just blowing the tackle off oh. the ball. A really phenomenal game from Bud Dupree for a guy who's been having a really phenomenal mm -hmm. season. Yeah, no question. And the play that comes to mind, I can't. I think it was in the second quarter. They had a tight end on Bud Dupree, and Bud just oh. blew him up. I what mean, are you doing there, Cardinals? Like, I, yeah, I don't why, know what why, you're doing. If you're going to put a tight end on him, he better be the double team. Yes, right. And and Bud just went straight up through him and, and drove him probably four yards back before the tight end knew what was going on. And I think the play ended up either in a loss or back to the line of scrimmage. That was the type of defensive performance that Bud had. And, and Bud, man, you know, you say what you want about him over his last you know couple years here, but – Man, he's playing like the guy that Steeler fans and the Steelers thought he would be and could be this year. He has been that and and then some. Without a doubt, he's been a first round pick. Oh, yeah. uh, that this is the quality that you're seeing yep. from one Bud Dupree, and I don't know if it's motivation because he's got a contract up. up I think this, that's part of summer. it. You know what? That happens to every player. Mm -hmm. I don't want to unfairly say, oh, Bud just only plays when he wants his money because every time a contract year comes up, you more seem incentive. to see more of a, a yeah. step up in play from players around the National Football sure. League, around the NBA, around the NHL, any league. When you're playing for your contract, you, you kind of have that little extra yeah. motivation. Now, you'd like for a guy to have that motivation without a contract, <laughs> sure. kind of like a TJ Watt mode. Yeah. But hey, not everybody's wired the same. And this is a guy that I think, th and this is a conversation for another time, but it's starting to become clear that you need to franchise tag this guy. You mm -hmm. need to figure out a way to bring him back to this defense next year because he is just as important as anybody else on that defense to their success. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I mentioned it a couple weeks ago on our on our Saturday show. He, Bud was actually asked about that. I can't remember who asked The franchise him. tag? Yeah, he was asked about the franchise tag. He, Do you have a problem with it? Or I can't remember how exactly the oh, question see, was phrased. We're a little – we've been scorned by that I, franchise yes. tag as Steelers fans yes. lately. And Bud responds, he's like, no, I, you know, I don't have any problem oh, with it. So that makes me feel good. What a great feeling. And at least you would have him for another year, you know. And, I mean, he'd make like $17 million yeah, on I it. I mean, so why for one year, be? yeah, what the heck, I'll do it. Um, but, yeah, it, it, he, he has become a guy that at this point you can't let go. You can't let him walk. You got to do all you can to bring him back for at least another year, especially when and if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy, when this offense gets completely healthy next season. I'm not throwing this season away by any stretch, but but just think about that for a second, how good this defense has been, and then you get your Hall of Famer back next year. I mean, heck, they could still make a run in the playoffs this year. You get my point. But, uh, yeah, he's a guy you can't let go. You can't let him walk. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick, he has been right in the conversation with Defensive Player of the Year. T.J. Watt has kind of overshadowed him in that category, mm -hmm. especially as of oh, late. Yeah. But every graphic you see people put out, you know, whether it's the depoys, whether it's the non-quarterback MVPs, Minka's always kind of hanging around mm -hmm. there at five. And, I mean, he's like – I think I saw a stat that he's the only player in the NFL that has 50-plus tackles and five-plus turnover interceptions mm -hmm. on the season – just a phenomenal year from him. Very quiet game, though. Yeah. Did a lot in coverage, mm -hmm. so you're not going to really hear him his name called when he's doing such a phenomenal job on the back end in coverage. But there was one play that really stuck out. It was his only tackle of the game, and it was a tackle for a loss. <sighs> yep. The Cardinals had the ball first and goal on the three. They were down 10 nothing uh, right after the Benny Snell turnover. So they're, they're in business. They finally have a little bit of momentum. They got one of those splash mm -hmm. plays that the Steelers have made their bread and butter off of all year long. But it was second and goal. Kyler Murray fakes a handoff yep. and he starts to run to his left and 
Minka Fitzpatrick had that play read the entire yep. time. It was a perfect example of what you hear all these people that know a lot more than we do talk <laughs> about this sport, that he is an absolute film junkie. He is one of the smartest players on the football field anytime he steps on a football field. He kind of hesitated a little bit walking up, but he stayed on mm -hmm. Kyler's side. And then when he saw that Kyler had the ball, boom, no hesitation. He knew it was going to be a run. Yep. There was no chance Murray was going to stop and pass the ball. And he shot into the backfield and had him for a loss, which set up Vince Williams for a big sack. Yep and force the Cardinals into a turnover. So those are just the plays that Minka Fitzpatrick makes that just makes this team so much more complete on the defensive side of the ball. And it's a shining example of, like I said, it's gotten the defense has gotten smarter with mm -hmm. him. It's gotten more savvy. And it, there's a playmaker on that back end now, which is, I think, elevating the secondary's play. And since he's become a stealer, it, there's no question that you can see the parallels with how great this defense has become and make of Fitzpatrick's arrival. Right. No, I I completely agree with you. And, and not only are all those things true that you said about Minka in that play in general, but another thing, too, is just how good the defense was against the read option that Kyler Murray and, and the Arizona Cardinals run. Um, you know, obviously, there are so many different moving parts that go into a read option. Uh, obviously, someone has to account for the running back, and then someone has to account for the quarterback. And Minka's job on that play was to account for the quarterback. And as you said, as soon as he saw that ball snapped, he didn't go towards the fake. He went up towards the line of scrimmage to say, you know, and Kyler wasn't reading him. He's reading the, the, the uh, defensive end who's crashing down on the, on the running back. That's their job. But uh, Minka ran right up into his face, and I don't think Kyler was expecting him to be there at all. I don't, I don't think he thought that the safety was going to roam down from the end zone and, and make a tackle for a loss. And you saw that a lot yesterday. Um, you saw everybody, and going off your point about the defense getting smarter, everybody seems to know their roles on every single play. Everyone is accountable for what they are supposed to do every single play and we've seen it over the last couple years that hasn't exactly been a theme of defenses in Pittsburgh you've seen a lot of uh, corners and safeties looking at each other with their arms up as if to say well who had him I thought he was your guy wasn't my guy right. you haven't seen that at all this year and, and again I think I'm not giving all that credit to Minka Fitzpatrick but him being back there definitely definitely helps that defense become smarter and and just be uh, more sound on their keys one guy, and I mentioned him on the latter half of that sequence where they held the Cardinals to a field goal that had stepped up lately this year after being injured early this season and has really shown is Vince Williams. And, oh, yeah. you know, we've been kind of kicking around in the past couple weeks on our Steelers Saturday show is what's up with Devin Bush and why mm -hmm. is his kind of snaps? He, I mean, he was a guy earlier in the year that was playing 100% of the snaps. Yeah. And I guess a part of that was Vince Williams' injury. Yeah. Oh, sure. And Mark Barron was hurt during a game, mm -hmm. too. So you just don't have those three inside linebackers right. that the Steelers clearly love to rotate in and out. But I think Vince's play is letting the Steelers' defense, Tom and Keith Butler, realize, hey, we don't need to play Devin Bush as much as we have right. because Vince is doing a very good job and got that big sack on yeah. Kyler to, to knock them back and force them to kick a field goal to make it 10-3 to on that defensive stand had another tackle for loss we hit the quarterback another time he had four total tackles mm -hmm. in this game and the speed from Vince Williams has yeah. been very surprising it's not a guy that we thought 
you know, could be that spy. We even said last Saturday, I don't, we don't know if Vince is the guy. Maybe Bush or Barron is the guy that would spy Kyler Murray. And he proved us wrong because on that sack, he mm -hmm. was the spy. Yeah. Was just sitting in the in the middle of the field, making sure Kyler wasn't going to run. And when he saw that he was in trouble, he, without a hesitation, shot into that backfield yep. and put him in the dirt for a big sack. So, uh, Vince Williams, very smart player, yes. veteran player, and you know he really had this kind of season too, or at least was playing like this when he had a good mate in mm -hmm. Ryan Shazier. And it's just the last year when he took a step back, it was him and John Bostic. They didn't yeah. really have a good linebacking core. It just strikes me as a guy that he needs some talent around him yeah. to thrive, a, a total role player, if you will. Mm -hmm. And he's back to that this year, and it's paying dividends again for the Steelers. Yeah, definitely. Hats and off to Vince Williams. Yeah, for sure. And and Vince, I I think a lot of people after last year were kind of writing him off. And I it think was the he can't play without Shazier. Right. Shazier covers for him, and yep. I don't know if that was wrong necessarily no. because you're seeing when you got talent like Barron and Bush right. around him, and he doesn't have to be an every down back. Right. He can kind of be that third guy, kind of like this sixth man in the NBA yeah. as far as the linebacking core is concerned. Yeah. He's he's really thriving. Yeah, he really has. He had, and he had a better game than Devin Bush. Yeah, he did. I mean, Bush only had two tackles, and as we said, Vince had a sack and, and had tackle four tackles. Us, yeah. He was all over the field. And don't think that's a bad thing that Devin Bush isn't playing that much. It, it is a good thing, and he's still playing. It's not like he's not playing at all. Right, he started. Yeah, he's playing, and, and again, th I think th – the Steelers have finally figured out that that linebacker rotation that I think in the beginning of the year they couldn't do because, like you said, Vince was beat up, Mark Barron was beat up, so they were forced to play Bush pretty much every snap. Now it's kind of okay. Let's ease him, let's ease Devin Bush in. Let let's let's not put so much on his plate. Let's take the load off of him a little bit and let's rotate these three guys. And it has been great. In every game that those three guys are healthy, you've seen. Oh, this is what those linebackers are supposed to look like. And this is a defense that, again, played phenomenally all game long, really went out there and got that eighth victory for the Steelers. But they were put into some unfortunate positions by the offense and the special teams. We said we were going to get into the bad because there is some bad when it comes to breaking down this Cardinals-Steelers game. We'll do that when we come back. It's Tom Opferman and Kellen Gursky filling in for the Steelers Blitz right here on SNR. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Barry's going to run, and he's going to uh, be hit, uh, and he fumbled it. And the steal, it doesn't matter. The Steelers are going to cover it, but that was fourth down. I, I'm, I'm puzzled. Was that a fake, or did he just drop it? from the side. What about me? What was the, the, the mindset there? He had a six-man box. Um, they had one gunner vice, they had two returners deep. Uh, we had decent numbers. We worked it during the week, but they executed better than we did. Kudos to them. Tom Opperman, Kellen Gersky sitting in for Euler Motes on the Steelers Blitz on a victory Monday after the Steelers go to 8-5 and five against the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of good that we unpacked earlier mm -hmm. in this first hour. Now we're going to get to the bad <laughs> in this game, and there's no more obvious place to start when you're talking about the bad than the Jordan Berry <laughs> fake punt. And we heard from Coach Tomlin there in his post-game remarks, take full, you know, credit, quote-unquote, more yeah. take the blame for the call. And to me, Kellen, 
not to throw Jordan Berry under the bus, but that kind of struck me even in the moment. And then we did find out later that mm. Barry said that, yeah, it was checked out of yeah. in an audible and I didn't hear the call. So he took credit for it. Or t- I'm sorry, took credit for yeah. the blame yeah. in the post game uh, locker room scrum. But that's just the coach right there taking yeah. taking the heat. You know, it was a big win for the Steelers, and you know that could have cost them the game, but it yeah. didn't. And Mike Tomlin recognizes that, and he's going to have words with Jordan Berry. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, sure he's having words with Jordan Berry today yes. about that. And it's just such a good move as a head coach to just come out and wear it. No, and yeah, he he would have win or lose. I would have yeah. said that's just something that Mike Tomlin strikes me as that kind of guy that. He is going to go to bat for his team, and mm-hmm. he's going to, to jump in front of a bullet for anybody yeah. on that team, including the punter. <laughs> but if you're Jordan Berry, man, and they said that that was a, a play that was on every time they went out onto the field, and it was checked out of every mm-hmm. time, you got to know the situation, yeah. Barry. And if you don't hear them check out of it, in the back of your head you're thinking – they really want to run this fake punt right now. You got to be like, I'm just going to boot this ball away. Mm. And if they yell at me for not running it, whatever, because yeah. this situation, there's there's no way in my brain as a football player <laughs> should I think that a fake punt is yeah. appropriate in this scenario. Our defense is balling out. It's 23 to 10. I got a chance to pin them deep yeah. and just let them carry us to another win. And uh, I don't know, brain fart, whatever. But not only is the post game, you know, locker room scrum evidence to it not being an actual fake just watching the play itself lends credence to that i mean all 10 guys on the steelers ran down the field to cover the punt they didn't block and what kind of fake punt is jordan berry running a punter draw yeah fourth and plus six plus seven it it just doesn't make sense it it didn't even look like he had an option to pass he just took two steps forward like he was going to punt and then he took off like the hole should have been there and he could have run for 15 yards it yeah. just didn't make sense all the way around no it didn't and i i don't get that i don't get a punter draw either because everybody's running after the punter right i mean if, especially if a, when if all the guys on, run downfield right, to cover the punt right right and, and again you know we you did say that that Barry kind of took the blame and said that that you know it was checked out of he didn't get the check and if you if you haven't heard the quote it's actually kind of funny um, they asked him, you know, what was going through your head or what, what happened there? And he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to do his Australian accent. But uh, he was like, you, you know, want to try? No, I'm good. Oh, uh, I, I'll Helen, butcher it. The people. I'll offend somebody. Um, but no, he was saying, you know, it was it was it was checked out of. I didn't get the check. And then he's like, when I caught the ball and looked up. Uh, he said, "Oh, expletive!" <laughs> it was kind of funny. It was bleeped. It was hysterical. All the all the uh, media people laughed, and, and uh, fortunately enough, they can laugh about it now after the Steelers right. do get the win. Um, but let's 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 break it down for a second. You're on the 35, up 10, with eight minutes left, and you screw up a fake punt. You, like you said, you have to know the situation there. You have to you have to be damn well sure that okay, this, this fake is on, or okay, this fake is off. You have to know that 100%. Uh, I'd be willing to bet that I don't think the Steelers are going to run a fake punt at any point the rest of the way, uh, unless they absolutely have to and they're desperate or a Super Bowl-type thing or a playoff berth's at stake. Um, I don't see them doing that anymore. But uh, great job by Tomlin to, to take the heat off of Barry, even though Barry kind of said it was my fault. Um, and that's a great job by Barry. Yeah, too. right, right, right. You Accountability. Own up to it. Yeah, definitely. That's something that uh, pretty much this entire t- entire team, whether it be on the field or off, um, they've done all year long. Night and day from yeah. last year. Oh, I yeah. mean, just night and day as far as the accountability yeah. is concerned. And 
again, it's just a it's a head scratcher of a play, and we're, the Steelers are just very lucky that it didn't come back to bite them. Mm-hmm. And Kellen, you mentioned in the last segment when we were talking about the defense, you know, they got they let up 17 points against the Arizona Cardinals, mm-hmm. and yes, all 17 of those points go against the defense. Sure. But that is a very tough situation to be put in if you're the defense, especially coming off of you picked off the Cardinals back-to-back drives. Mm-hmm. You had the T.J. Watt interception, then the Steelers went down the field and scored a touchdown. Then you had the Joe Hayden interception, the first Joe Hayden interception, yeah. and then the Steelers, you know, they go seven plays, don't the drive kind of stalls, but that's all right. You know, you took four minutes and 22 seconds off the clock. That's enough time for your defense right. to get a nice rest, so you're going to punt the ball away, and then, uh-oh, the bottom falls out and all of a sudden the defense has to go out there and they only have about 30 yards that they can defend and you know that you're unless you can force your third consecutive turnover you're gonna have to at least settle for a field goal fortunately the Cardinals put it in the end zone right so uh, that's a point that's seven points that yeah they go against the defense but I mean that's you can't blame the defense or expect them to hold whenever they get put in such an unfortunate circumstance like that and it's a learning experience too for, sure. for Barry for for the Steelers maybe you know in the future don't have the fake punt on yeah. to where you have to audible out of it right. you know what I mean maybe I, I understand that all week long watching film there was a vulnerability there with the Cardinals special teams coverage and Tomlin and Danny Smith felt hey we should go out there looking for this and if they show this we know we can get this right. first down if not just have one of the up men check out of it yeah. and just punt it away and I don't know. Maybe this is something before the Tomlin sits back and says, "You know what? We're not quite there yet. Yeah. We're not ready to do right. that." Jordan Berry, we can't have our punter missing audibles and just absolutely potentially blowing a game for right. us. So, and I mean, in that situation, especially in that situation, one of the up men just ha- just turn around and say to Barry, "Bro." We ain't faking it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like you don't even have to tell, keep it a secret to the Cardinals. Right? Be like not fake. You yeah, don't even don't, need a special do audible it. name. Just go right. no fake, yes. no fake. Right. And, and especially in that situation, you're up ten. Like I said, at the thirty-five. Don't even put yourself in that. So turn around. It's kind of like that uh, Pat McAfee video where he talks about the Troy Paul Malu thing, where he, they had a fake field goal on when he played, and and then he audibled out of it, and he said. Troy was in the C gap, not supposed to be there, but anyway. He's like, I'm not getting killed. He's like, I'm so not getting I'm killed. Just punt yeah. this ball. I'm not I'm not I'm not he looks at the kicker and said, We're not faking it. Like that's the type of thing <laughs> you have to do uh, in that situation. Make sure everybody's on the same page. But again, it didn't come back to kill them. It, I mean it kind of killed the defense because you do give up a touchdown off of that or points off of that. But uh, again, uh you can look back on it and smile and thank the Lord that it didn't come back and bite you. Another part of this game where the defense was put into an unfortunate circumstance. We mentioned the sequence yeah. with Minka Fitzpatrick and Vince Williams holding Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense to just a field goal after this happened. But, you know, the, the game starts with the Cardinals punt after five plays. Yep. Then the Steelers go on a nice 13-play, 66-yard drive, eight minutes off the clock, and they get three points. Up 3 nothing on the road, great start. Then your defense forces a three and out to follow that, and Deontay Johnson makes a house call. So, yep. bang, all of a sudden it's 10 to nothing. And then guess what? The defense goes right back out there, forces another three mm-hmm. and out, negative six yards on that drive by the Cardinals, and they're forced to punt back to you. All of a sudden you're thinking this is going to be a blowout. The mm-hmm. Steelers have come to play today, and this defense is hungry, and it's going to be tough sledding for this Cardinals offense. And then the very first play, Benny Snell fumbles the football. Yep. We mentioned he had a pretty rough game. Yeah. This was probably the roughest part of that game for him. Fumbles it right back to the Cardinals. They have only 22 yards to go. They're basically right in the the red zone. Again, big hold by the Steelers' defense to hold them to just a field goal. But 
that's something that is, it's inexcusable there if yeah. you're Benny Snell. You cannot fumble the ball and give this team that you have on the ropes early on in the game. That you have a stranglehold on. Exactly. You can't give them a splash play in their favor and kind of wake them up because that really got their offense going a little bit. Granted, it was only 22 yards, and they stalled out, and they had to get a field goal. But the next drive after that, they had a 12-play, 85-yard drive. So right. it started to give the offense a little bit of confidence, and it felt like the Cardinals felt like, okay, we're, we're in this game still. This isn't a blowout. And especially with the Cardinals and what they did against the Rams the week prior, mm-hmm. you get up early on this team, it's clear that they have a likelihood to quit yeah, sure. on the game. So yeah. if the Steelers could have just had a nice sustained drive there, maybe get three points, maybe punt the or ball away near time mid- off maybe punt the ball them, away yeah. at midfield and pin them deep, you're looking at a Cardinals team that's looking again and saying, oh, here goes another loss. We might as well just quit and yeah. pack, it, pack it in for the rest of the day. But instead, you, you give them new life. And, you know, that's that's a rookie. So, mm-hmm. um, And I'm not going to sit here and start doing, oh, all of the Steelers running backs fumble. That's all they do. Connor, mm-hmm. now Benny Snell. They can't hold on to the ball. It's not like that at all. But it's just something that Benny Snell needs to learn from and needs to understand that, hey, when you're up 10 nothing, ball security becomes yeah. that much more important. Two hands on the ball when you're running it up the middle. Yeah, and you saw Benny pretty much the rest of the day. Had having, a football on the having, sideline. Yeah, and he had a football on the sideline. He had two hands on the ball when he got it. And maybe that's the reason he wasn't as elusive. He didn't break as many tackles. He's focused more on hanging on to the ball. Which I'm fine with. Which I'm okay with. Yeah, you don't you don't want to turn it over twice. But, uh, but yeah, that fumble was huge. And, again, you know, you're playing a team that going into that game is 3-8-1 and one, that got their doors absolutely blown off by the Rams, who might be one of the hottest teams in football, by the way. Uh, that win against the Rams for the Steelers looks a heck of a lot better than it did a few weeks ago. Um, Probably but the most impressive win that this team yeah. has pulled off this year. Yeah, I agree. Definitely I, the be- most quality opponent. Yeah, they've, and they've especially beaten. especially now with, with what the, the, Rams the Rams did last night and beat the Seahawks right. pretty decisively. Um, but, but again, you don't want to give teams like that life. You don't want to give them momentum. And when you turn the ball over, basically in the red zone for them and they get the ball right back and then boom we're, we're looking at a short field um that gives a, a bad team life and but i don't want to call the cardinals a bad team i don't think they're as bad as their three nine and one record indicates i think they've lost a couple closer games obviously the game against the the rams wasn't close but i i don't think they're as bad as their record indicates they're better than three nine and one but you don't want to give a team like that life. You don't want to give any team life, but especially one that's not that good because they feed off that. And the Cardinals obviously did. They score right away. And then from that point on, they were right in the game. I was kind of biting my nails a little bit as the game went on, thinking, man, this is a lot closer than it should be. Um, and I'm not saying that's all because of Benny Snell's fumble. But it definitely, if you hang on to the ball there, and at least if you just sustain a little bit of a drive, the, the momentum is, is a lot different there in that game, I think. Another play, the third play that I kind of put in the negative category, and again, I really think there was only three, and those two are the glaring yeah. ones, by the fumble by Benny Snell and the fake punt fiasco by <laughs> Jordan Berry. But when David Johnson caught the 24-yard pass from Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. that's a play that Terrell Edmonds has to make. Yeah. You got a secondary with Joe Hayden making plays left and right. He had two interceptions in this game. Minka Fitzpatrick is one of the best playmakers in the NFL this year, and Steve Nelson has been a lockdown corner. Terrell Edmonds has kind of been that odd man out when you look at how this yeah. secondary has been playing. And that's not to say he's been abysmal. No, he's been He's been fine. fine. Yeah. He's definitely been the weakest link, and that's a play that you have to make he jumps the route perfectly it was kind of a ball that was hung up there mm-hmm. and the, it just went right through his hands yeah. I and mean, that's an interception that if you make Edmonds is all of a sudden launching himself into the okay all four of these guys mm-hmm. are, are, are dogs mm-hmm. these are some savages in the back end of the Steelers defense 
but unfortunately, you know, yeah. you, you don't make that play, and it, it results worst case scenario because yeah. it goes through your hands and right into David Johnson. Yeah. So the Cardinals get a touchdown that makes it twenty to seventeen. But uh, again, and uh, the defense did more than enough: five sacks, sure. three turnovers. But that was a fourth one that they absolutely should have had late yeah. in the game that really could have made it less dramatic than it was, or at least just bat the ball away. Uh, it doesn't. I don't care if you just maybe don't tip go for the interception. It, right, just just knock that ball down, especially in that situation. Um, you know, you're up. Uh, what you're up ten points there. You know, don't don't give up a touchdown right here. If you knock that ball away, that's great too. Uh, there there are three possibilities that can happen on that play one it's an incompletion two it's an interception or three you bat it down or f- i guess there's four or you catch it uh, i mean that, that that there's four there's four scenarios there and the worst possible one happened if you're the steelers and real quick you know edmonds hasn't been bad don't get me wrong but with yesterday uh his brother in buffalo got an interception now two of the three edmonds brothers uh, have interceptions this year, and one of them is by a guy that doesn't play defense. So <laughs> hopefully, right. so hopefully, uh, Terrell Edmonds can get one before the year's over. I forgot uh, that so, Trey got yeah, the Trey had that interception on a fake punt. Uh, the running back. So I hope for for uh, Terrell's sake that uh, his brothers don't uh, kind of give him crap the rest of the year for them both having picks and him not. Despite those negative contributions from the Steelers on all three phases of the game special teams defense and offense they were able to get a decisive win against the arizona cardinals and move to eight and five they hold on to the sixth seed in the wild card race but those tennessee titans are breathing right down their neck when we come back we'll take a little trip around the nfl we'll talk about that wild card race and we'll talk about a fun fun day in the nfl yesterday it's tom opperman and kellen gersky filling in for euler motes right here on the steelers blitz This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. His team trails by 10. Shotgun snap. He's back. He waits. He wants to run. He's coming to the near sideline. Throws it on the run. Intercepted. That is T.J. Watt with an end zone pick. And that, for Mr. Watt, is his second Oski of the season. No sack for T.J. Watt in this game against the Cardinals, but he did get an interception that you just heard there to help his case for Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL. Just wanted to play that highlight because I love T.J. Watt more than (laughs) anything in the world, and he certainly deserves some credit for that play. For sure. Fourth down play, picks him off, makes sure that the Cardinals turn the ball over and that they don't get any points Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Going around the NFL, though, here, Kellen, you know, the Tennessee Titans – they were a team that the Steelers kind of had their eye on. Yep. They're breathing down their neck. Maybe you go into Oakland and Raiders team that's reeling can pull off an yeah. upset. And, it, and it's a win that the Raiders needed yesterday. Exactly. Too. And you got the Titans traveling across the country. They're on the road. And, you know, when is this Titans run going to, to hit a brick wall mm-hmm. and end? And it didn't in a no. big way against the Raiders. That Titans offense is all of a sudden becoming a very scary thing. Mm-hmm. They dropped 42 points on Oakland's head. It was tied 21-21 to at halftime, and then they absolutely scored 21 unanswered points against the Raiders in the second half and shut them out. But the the stat lines from the top performers, it really stands out. When you got Ryan Tannehill, he's 21 for 27 for 391 yards and three touchdowns. You got Derrick Henry for 18 carries, 103 yards and two touchdowns. And you got A.J. Brown for five catches, 153 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely balling out in the passing, rushing, and receiving game. 
But now, you know, the Titans are in a position where maybe you don't worry about them if you're a Steelers fan because they're on such a run that I could see them winning the AFC South. And yeah. they've got two big games against the Texans coming up, and I know you're thinking of Steelers fans, oh, well, if the it's kind of an either-or thing. If the Titans win the division, then the Texans fall back, and you got to worry about them. If the Texans win the division, then the Titans fall back. But if, as long as one of those two teams sweeps the other yeah. in those two matchups. That's what you have to hope for one way or the other. The other one's going to have seven losses. Right. And I think we expect the Steelers to maybe only lose one or maybe two more games right. on the but road. But they would still have one less loss. Exactly. Well, if they lost two, have, they it would, would be have, tied. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think you can look at it. Big game against Buffalo, of course, this week. But if you get that one, you're, yeah, you're staring yeah. right at a 10 and 6 record yep. at the worst case scenario if you're the Steelers. So, sure. either way, whatever team falls back in the AFC South race, I think the Steelers can be clear of. But it's a Titans team that I think, yes, the Steelers have won a lot of games here. They've stacked victories, they've played well on the defensive side of the ball. But it's a Titans team whose offense is so much more complete and so much more talented that if you're looking at both of these teams in a vacuum and you had to choose which one would be better, it'd be close because the Steelers' defense is so great. But uh, but I don't know. I lean towards the Titans might be playing a little bit of better football right now. Yeah, I mean, I I agree just because they are a more complete team. Ryan Tannehill is playing probably the best football of his career. Maybe minus the year he took the Dolphins to the playoffs. And, well, he didn't finish that year finish the job but he set but, him up right Beat the Steelers in the regular season yeah he did and I mean Tannehill yesterday was 21 of 27 for 391 right. yards three touchdowns and a pick uh, you're, you're not going to play much better than that a and whole lot that's part of the reason why the Titans are already starting to open up discussions right. that we're going to sign this guy next year he's going to be and our, they should. Our, he's going to be our answer I, yeah I, I think they should I think the Mariota experiment has failed in Tennessee and that's a guy that you wasted uh, a couple years on now you know, you're kind of lucky that Tannehill, you know, fell out with Miami. No one really picked him up. Now he's showing that he can still play. And I mentioned this on Saturday, too, on our Saturday show, that I don't know why people wrote Ryan Tannehill kind of off. Like, I know it was things, the injuries. It was it the injuries. Right, right. And But then again, just because you're hurt doesn't mean you can't play or you, you won't be able to play down the road when you get healthy. And now that Tannehill's healthy and he's got a, a, a good run game with Derrick Henry beside him, he's been one of the best backs in football for the last month or so. Look up his stats. They're astounding. Uh, and he's got some young guys to throw the ball to. You know, A.J. Brown has been a really nice surprise for them this year. Five catches, 153 yards, two tutties yesterday. Uh, that's a pretty good day. It's a team that's drafted really well lately. Yes, with for receivers sure. and Derrick Henry. And their defense pick. is good, their too. Their defense don't is solid. They're coached by a defensive guy with yep. Mike Rabel. Probably the most successful guy out of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, at least yeah, to this sure. point. He's yeah. been a very solid coach in his couple years at Tennessee. And uh, like you said, the defense is nowhere near as good as the Steelers' defense, but it's no slouch. No, and not at all. It's a team that's very complete. They go to 8-5 and five with their win. And, you know, the, a lot of the talk with the AFC wildcard race was, well, there's like eight teams still in it. <laughs> yeah. Colts, Raiders, Browns, Titans, Steelers, you know, they all kind of have a shot. Even the Jags for a little bit there and the Chargers, they all kind of had a shot at this wildcard race at one point in the year. And, you know, the talk was just, oh, how abysmal the AFC is. But now when you look at the conferences, you're looking at the AFC yeah. and you're looking at the NFC. Yes, the NFC is still oh, the sure. better conference. They have three 10-win teams and one 11-win team, and the Vikings are only a win away from getting the double digits (laughs) there. The only two teams with double-digit wins in the AFC are the Ravens and the Patriots, but you got a 9-win team in the Chiefs. Uh, Yes, the Texans have fallen off, and they only have eight wins. They're 8-5 and tied with the Titans, but you got a 9-win team with the Bills, and you got an 8-win team with the Steelers, and it's really become a three-team race for two spots in that wild card with the Bills, Steelers, and Titans. So... 
the quality, I think, has taken a step up with this wild card race in recent weeks with the teams like the Browns and the Raiders and the Colts kind of falling out of contention. And that's great for football. You know, it's great to right. have, you know, not a team. It's clear that there's not going to be an 8-8 eight and eight or maybe even a 9-7 and seven getting in on the AFC side. Yeah. And that's not what you can say to the NFC because that NFC East is going to absolutely have at least a 9-7 and seven team get into the playoffs. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's been so weird because, like you said, everyone kind of thought the AFC race was, was – or the AFC was a bad They thought conference. the AFC race was just a lot of teams that are average, mm-hmm. and now it's starting to look like there's it's just a couple shape. teams that are above average. Right. Now, I'm not going to say they're good teams, but they're yeah. above average teams. Right. And there are going to be teams that – if the Bills go into Houston – the Texans are going to have a game on their hands. If the Steelers go into Kansas City, I would probably pick the Chiefs in that playoff game, but I guarantee you, based on what we've seen from the Steelers this year, that the Chiefs are going to get a game, and you could say the same if you plug in Tennessee on either of those teams. No, I agree. Again, it's just funny how quick playoff races could change you know no one really thought that the titans would go on this type of run oh no I, you know I, i'm leaning towards colts and raiders honestly <laughs> yeah, for I that too. six seed and they yeah. just the bottom fell off yeah the, the raiders are a real question mark i i don't really know i think maybe the beginning of the year was a little bit of a mirage for them i really i don't really know if they are as good as we thought they were the defense you know they can rush the passer but yeah. other than that it's it's pretty and bad. yesterday they didn't have josh jacobs who has been their best player, their yeah. best player offensively darren waller didn't have a big day that's probably because they didn't have didn't jacobs have to game. take him to take pressure off of him um and my fantasy team was not happy yesterday with darren waller's performance but uh, yeah, man, it, it is interesting, and there's a lot of there's still a lot of moving parts to go in this in the playoff races, and there's still three games left. There is a ton of stuff that could happen here in the next three weeks. Well, some good news for Steelers fans is the Ravens beat the Bills. Yeah, and that's good news on two fronts. So the first being that knocks the Bills back to nine and four, right. and they come into Heinz Field yep. next Sunday night, which means that a win by the Steelers launches them into the five seed with a tiebreaker over the Buffalo Bills in that head-to-head victory. But what it also does is a Ravens win coupled by the Patriots' loss to the Chiefs means that if the Ravens can win their next two games, and those two games are against the Jets. Should be a win there. And at Cleveland. And you know they're hungry for that because the Browns came into Baltimore (laughs) earlier in the year and smoked them. I mean, absolutely crushed them. One of the oddest results of the season now in retrospect, seeing how average to below average the Browns have been all year long. The Ravens are going to be hungry for revenge in that game. But if they beat the Jets and the Browns, no matter what anybody else does in the AFC, your Baltimore Ravens are the number one seed in the the AFC. So that's so big for the Pittsburgh Steelers because you have to assume that when the Steelers roll in to M&T Bank Stadium at the end of the year for their Week 17 matchup, the Ravens aren't going to be playing for anything, Mm-mm. and that means Lamar Jackson's going to be resting. Probably. And that means that a lot of Mark Ingram will probably mm-hmm. rest. A lot of starters on the offensive side of the ball will rest. Maybe the defense will go out there and play like a first mm-hmm. half or something like that, but don't expect to see them be on the field for a long right. time. So uh, if you're a Steeler fan, I know you hate this, but you got to <laughs> root for the Baltimore yep. Ravens to just win their next two yep. games because that will render that last game meaningless and all of a sudden the Steelers could turn a game that was probably going to be a for sure loss Ooh. into something that they should win. Right. You're going to have to deal with a running quarterback show sure. with RG3, but I'd much rather deal with RG3 than yeah, Lamar Jackson, definitely. the MVP of the league. Yeah, and there's something to be said in that game uh, with Buffalo and, and Baltimore. I think, I think Baltimore kind of showed one of their first – 
chinks in the armor yesterday when Mark Andrews went down. I think I think he is Lamar Jackson's go-to guy. He is his whoopee. He is the guy that that he leans on. And without him, let's I mean let's look at the numbers. Jackson didn't have that great of a day. He didn't have the day that he normally does. He was 16 of 25, 145 yards. To put that in perspective, Duck Hodges threw for more yards than <laughs> Lamar Jackson did. He did throw three touchdowns and he did throw a pick in there too. Uh, but the thing that surprised me was that Jackson only had 40 yards rushing That's yesterday. That's more surprising. And the Bills did a nice job of, of slowing him down and reading keys. And, and again, uh, I don't. I, maybe the Steelers can look at that film and, and, and kind of say, okay, here's a blueprint for maybe later in the year or you maybe know, in the playoffs if you see him there. You know the Steelers can turn Lamar Jackson over. Yeah. He threw three picks the last right, time that Lamar right, Jackson right. played the Steelers. So it's not a, a matter of that, but he did run for 70 yards against the Steelers. Yeah. So he kind of hurt them with yes. his legs in that game. And the Bills, you know, teams are going to be watching pouring over film of the Baltimore oh, Ravens. Yeah. and. You know, I love how people on the internet love to say, like, now that there's film out on Lamar Jackson, it, it's over for him because, you know, NFL teams, they're going to watch film and figure out what's wrong and how to stop him. And yeah. it's like, first of all, that's a ton of complicated film that you're watching because but that's one of the most complicated it's all offenses that you've it's ever all, yeah. seen. And second of all, don't you think it would have happened by now? Right. They had an entire right. offseason to prepare for him. He didn't have a good day, and he still had three touchdowns. And they pulled out the win. Right. And the thing that's also very dangerous about them is their defense is starting to yeah. catch up to the offense. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see that classic Baltimore Raven defense turn the ball over, only let up the 17 points to the Bills. Mm-hmm. And granted, the Bills had a chance late in the game to try to tie it, but they held. The defense right. held, and they, they helped the Ravens escape Buffalo with a big victory. And like we said, the Chiefs beating the Patriots just – it. it they're on a collision course with that yeah. one seed now. It's they'd have to really, really screw things up here if they were to fall out yeah. of the one seed. I mean, you're not losing to the Jets, and I. And then if you beat the Jets and you're staring at the one seed down, I doubt you're going to lose to the Browns. You're no. going to be very hungry and motivated to go into and the Browns and win might that be, game. The Browns might be done. Yeah, honestly. Browns probably are done. I, I, at I this mean, point. just in, like. I know their playoff hopes are done, but I don't really think they have anything to play for. Mayfield's played really bad. Odell Beckham has doesn't want to be there anymore. And with the sports hernia yeah. thing with Odell, maybe the Browns, you know, yeah, they're probably playing to get to 9-7 and because yeah. they want to have their first winning sure. season in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, the Browns stumble a little bit in their next game. Yeah. It's time to shut Odell down for the rest of right. the year because, come on, like why are we risking – why is he playing through this injury? Yeah. If there's nothing on the line, let's shut you down. Let's get the surgery early. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll take it from here next year. But yeah. that's a good point. The Browns might be completely in tatters by the time yeah. they play the Ravens in Week 16. Uh, another game that I wanted to bring up, it, ha- it has no real effect on the Pittsburgh Steelers and in any way whatsoever, but uh, I think it was the game of the oh, year yesterday yeah. with, with Niners and Saints. I don't think it's going to get beaten, by the way. I think no, that, that is going to be the game of the year. I don't think so either, and I, I'm hungry for a rematch in me the playoffs too. of these two Give teams. me an NFC championship game there. Uh, the, It was a fun game to watch in the Superdome, and, you know, you got a two offensive-minded guys. Sean Payton's kind of like the, the wily veteran when mm. it comes to being a great offensive head coach. Kyle Shanahan's been a off, phenomenal offensive coordinator for most of his career, finally getting the chance to be a head coach in San Francisco, and he's blowing people away this year. But Drew Brees threw for 349 yards and five touchdowns. Jimmy G said, anything you can do, I can do <laughs> not quite better, but pretty much the same. 349 yards, exactly the same there, but four tutties and one interception. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, you know you saw the trick play to Emmanuel Sanders yeah, he where he's throwing, a he's throwing a touchdown pass. Oh, and by the way, on top of his touchdown pass, Emmanuel Sanders went for 157 yards and a touchdown. And Michael Thomas is like, "Hey, I'm going to get 11 catches for 135 <laughs> yards myself." I mean, it was a it was a Big 12 game almost yeah, that broke really. out in the Superdome and. You know, people will be like, oh, there's no defense. I love defense. It's the NFL. Get out of here. These are yeah. the games that I'm here for, mm -hmm. these fun up-and-down games. And nothing is better than a game like this, Saints up by one with only like 30 seconds left, and Jimmy G finds George Kittle, oh who Lord. just takes on Saints defenders and then fights through a face mask and puts Robbie Gold and the Niners into field goal range so they can kick a game-winning field goal and get it out of New Orleans with a big win, which – launches them back into the one seed yep. because of Seattle's loss last night to the LA Rams but just an absolutely fun game to watch if you're an NFL fan and you've been if you're a Steeler fan you've been watching a lot of teams or a team very devoid of talent mm. and you know even with AB and Bell gone Juju and Connor there was a step back a little yep. bit in the talent sphere and now they're hurt and you got a guy named Duck playing quarterback <laughs> so the, the talent's not there there were stars all over all this over. field for the Niners and the Saints, and even more surprising than 48-46, these are two defenses that have played really well this yeah, year, they and they kind of just took the game off. They were like, listen, <laughs> yeah. like none, neither of us can stop these guys, so good luck offense. Let's get into a shootout, and just a lot of fun. And Jimmy G, obviously the four touchdowns and the interception, over 340 yards through the air. He, he's proving, you know, or a lot earlier in this year we said, hey, he's probably the weakest link. He's proven that, hey, he can go out there and yeah, be one of the main reasons why they win a game. Now. Yeah, and honestly, I think I think the Niners might be the best team in football. I think they're the best team in football. Right? I, I really do. Uh, they are they are a damn good football team. And for them to win a game like that yesterday, that's not the way they've won at all this year. They haven't won shootouts, yet they win a, a shootout yesterday against a, a prolific offense. And I want to say this about that play by George Kittle. That might be one of the plays of the year. He carried, I don't know who the defender was, but he carried him for 10 yards while his face mask was getting ripped. That dude is just unbelievable. On another level, best tight end in football right now as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Giants and the Eagles tonight. I'm just kidding. No one cares about that game. I can't stand no. it. The Giants get on Monday Night Football. <laughs> Eli, though. Yeah, Eli's Eli back. coming back. Maybe a little little Eli magic for you on Monday Night Football. When we come back, though, we're going to get back into the Steelers. We're going to talk a lot more about the practice squad of All-Stars that have been helping this team get to an 8-5 and five record. That's on the way next. Tom Offerman, Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes right here on the Steelers Blitz. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. And he goes into a pattern, and the duck throws a back shoulder fade. It is pulled in. Deion Kane. What he did, he set up Brian Murphy, the cornerback, to an inside route, and when he went back shoulder, he was all by himself. And the second year, man from Clemson gets a big gainer oh. on third and five. And he gets the call. Off the right side, cuts it back. He's up over the 45, the 50, and he gets and appears enough for the first down. Duck is back, flushed out of the pocket. He's going to run, and he is quacking his way to the 50, to the 45, and steps out of bounds at the Arizona 47-yard line. Those are three of the biggest plays from the practice squad all-stars <laughs> against the Arizona Cardinals yesterday during the Steelers' victory. The second one in there was Kareth White on the run. Billy didn't mention his name mm -hmm. on that play call, but that's who it was. Duck Hodges quacked his way for 22 I yards. Love that. That was I love a, that. That was a great play call. He uh, 
Got a huge 22-yard gain for the Steelers and really showed off some of that mobility, Kellen, that you were talking about a little yep. earlier on in the show. And then, of course, we, we talked a little bit already about Deion Kane and that phenomenal combat mm -hmm. catch that he made uh, for a 22-yard gainer. Uh, those three guys were on practice squads uh, to start the season, yeah. two of them not in Pittsburgh. Deion yeah. Kane in Indianapolis and Kareth White in Chicago. Devlin Hodges was the practice squad and quarterback for yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers all year Hodges, long. Hodges, yeah, he wasn't even on the he, – he got cut for, for, exactly. for Josh Dobbs to begin this year. And Don't forget that. And then when they that. traded Dobbs, they brought him back. Yeah. But, you know, the Steelers in the past have carried three quarterbacks, mm -hmm. and that wasn't the case. Duck no. was just practice squad, right. and he wouldn't get a helmet on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And it was just Mason and – Ben until yeah. Ben got hurt right. and then all of a yeah. sudden Duck's like hey I'll slide right into this yeah. backup role yeah. and then whoops a daisy I'm the starter now yep. but those three guys you know I labeled them the practice squad all-stars because they got to look at themselves in the mirror on Monday mornings and it, there's got to be a little bit of a surreal feeling yeah. when they, they think about what's happened Duck probably more so than the rest sure. as a starting quarterback yeah. and he's getting a lot of national attention but yeah, if you're a Deion Kane and you're a Kareth White, you, a you got to be grateful for the opportunity that you're getting, and b you got to know that you're capitalizing on it to this point, and you got to keep going out there and capitalizing on it. But in my mind, those two, White and Kane, have earned more playing time oh, without a doubt. For and, sure. And Kareth White, you're seeing that from. Yeah. And I think Deion Kane uh, last week, or excuse me, yesterday against the Cardinals, mm -hmm. showed that hey, the Steelers trust him a lot more too than say a Johnny Holton or even a Tevin Jones. Yeah, I, I think the Johnny Holton experiment has 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 been phased out at this point too. Um, and, and maybe a little bit of, of Tevin Jones is being phased out. But, again, he's still a guy that could come in and make a play. I, I don't have uh, doubt in his ability and, and Tevin Jones' ability. But uh, you're right. Those three guys really have been, as you called them, the practice squad all-stars. And that's not a slight against them. That's just the reality of the situation is that they were on practice squads before this. And you mentioned the kind of surreal sort of feeling for Duck Hodges. I want to bring this up. Um, on the game broadcast yesterday, they put up a, a graphic, a tale of the tape between Hodges and Kyler Murray. And they, they lift their, list their colleges, obviously. Hodges from Samford, Murray from Oklahoma. <laughs> 2019 draft, Hodges is undrafted. Murray's the first overall pick. Signing bonus, $1,000 for Duck Hodges, 23 and a half mil Ooh. for Kyler Murray. Record as a starter, Hodges is now 3-0. Murray is now three nine and one. So they've won the exact same amount of games. Exactly, and, and, and Mur I know Murray's just costing you about twenty three million dollars yeah. more. Right, and Murray's and better than Doc. yes, like, yeah. I, I do. I realize that, but when you look at that side by side and you break it down, it really is just it, it's kind of awe inspiring. It's shocking, and you mentioned this I think a couple weeks ago on our show. You heard Mike Prezuta say. You know, all these talk about Duck is playing with house money, Deion Kane playing with house money. They're not. They're not. These no. guys are playing to make a roster next year, whether that be in Pittsburgh or whether that right. be elsewhere. And D. Hev actually tweeted at us today and said, looking ahead, do you guys see Mason as the number three guy next year, or does he outplay Duck in camp and take over his two spot? Uh, first of all, there is definitely going to be a position battle 100%. at camp. 100%. Even if the Steelers stub their toe down the stretch here and don't end up making the playoffs, Duck has earned his way back to a yes. camp invite next yes. year. And if Mason's not ready to play next year, he's going to find himself quickly as either a third string or maybe on the scrap heap, maybe yeah. on the practice squad where another team is most likely going to sign him yeah. away. Yeah, and I'm sure if that does happen that he— 
Mason will have a job somewhere. Yeah, I don't, that's a guy I don't, on a practice squad that'll get signed. Right. I don't think for a second that that he's gonna be a one and done in this league. I I just his college pedigree speaks for itself. I don't see him being done after one year. Um, and it, but then again, on the flip side of that, I don't know if a team passes on Hodges a second time if he gets on a practice squad, if you understand my point. A lot of teams passed on Hodges. A lot of teams really didn't look at Hodges all that much. Hodges only got two invites to rookie camp from two NFL teams. One was the Steelers. The other one was the New York Giants. And in rookie camp, rookie camp doesn't mean all that much. And he only got two invites to rookie camp. So that gives you an indication that, well, A, a lot of teams didn't look at him, and now he's, he's out there, he's 3-0 and as a starter. Yes, he might not be lighting the world on fire, but he's playing well enough to win games. And in this league, that has a lot of weight. And teams, I don't think, are going to pass on him again. I, I, if he's on the practice squad, I think someone's going to take a shot at him, definitely now that he has NFL tape. Um, but you're right, it is going to be a competition. And you and I kind of talked about this off air. If Hodges can make a run and they do get in the playoffs, they don't have to necessarily win a playoff game, but say they do. Hodges is in Steeler folklore forever. He's the he, best he backup is, in the history he, of the Steelers. He is in, in Steelers folklore I forever. I said what I said. He's the best backup you. in the history of the Steelers. You I hear know you. who I'm talking I about. I hear you. But and, yeah. and, and again, I think people – there's going to be a lot of people that share that same sentiment that you do, and I mean he's going to get the, if he gets him to the playoffs. Build Crowley's been saying this for weeks. Build a statue for him. Yeah, I mean, right, 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 God. right. And I mean he is going to be a Steeler legend for forever. People will talk about Duck Hodges in the 2019 season if they oh, do get there forever. Say, like five years down the road, if he's out of football and he yeah. just shows up at a game, yeah. the crowd's going to go nuts right, for this right. guy. That's, like, you remember when Duck led him to the playoffs yep. in 2019? That guy played a good. <laughs> quarterback he should yeah. still be out there yeah right even though he it, probably shouldn't be but that's how you understand right think. right and that that is going to be the feeling here in Pittsburgh and even if this season does fizzle out and they don't make the playoffs I feel like there's still going to be kind of a cult following for Doug absolutely but with that being said I mean, he's won three games yeah I know with that being said he's won three games come in and help win another one right let, let's kind of pump the brakes but to answer the question in my opinion I, I think Right now, Duck has to be the number two, in my opinion. I know it's going to be a battle. So you think heading into camp, he'll be the two? Yeah. See, I think there will be an undesignated well, two. It, it'll be Ben's the one. Yeah. And I mean, it, and then it's two A, two B. Yes. Who's going to win the two? Right. I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. But if I were to bet, I would say that Duck would end up being the two, just yeah. because if if Rudolph, you know, even in practice or in preseason, plays the same way he's played this year played this year I should say it's the same old same old you know what you have with Hodges there's still a lot of potential there and with Hodges the one thing that really stands out above Rudolph is because we kind of agreed that you know Rudolph is more talented than Duck yeah obviously at least at this point but the confidence that you see from Duck he looks like he has command of the offense not so much to the sense where it's like a big Ben out there and he's making plays happen and telling receivers to run this route and that route and you know he's got command in that way but He's just going out there, and he's confident in his ability to yeah. manage a game, and that's just something that you didn't see from Mason Rudolph, especially in that Bengals yeah. game following the incident with the Browns because right. that Browns game, the four interceptions, and yeah. then getting hit in the head with his own helmet, that's probably going to do wonders for your confidence, I'm yeah. sure. So right. his confidence are in the dumps. Hodges' confidence keeps getting better and better yeah. and better as he keeps going out there and winning more games. Yeah. It's, it's something that, you know, it's one of those intangibles that you can't measure it, right. but you can just see with your eyes this guy is more comfortable back Yeah, there. and I made the point, I think it was after, yeah, after Hodges won the, the game against uh, 
Cincy, um, I said this might be the worst – or against the Browns, I should say, that, that this might be the worst-case scenario for Mason Rudolph, that he's sitting there, he's not playing, and then a guy from Samford who's undrafted comes in, gets hot, beats the team you haven't played. Now he's won another g- couple games after that fact. This is – it's not good. And I'm sure Rudolph's confidence level isn't high, but you're right. You can't judge confidence, but watching Duck go out there and play – and I've said this before, but there is a different – spark there's a different energy there's just something different when Hodges is out there and I don't know what that is but Hodges has it you know what I mean like that's you hear that all the time he has it what is it I don't really know but whatever it is Hodges has it and I think confidence has a big big factor on that getting to some of the other guys that make up the practice squad all-stars Tanner Cameron tweets into both of us and says can we get rid of Johnny Holton and keep Kane Johnson Washington Jones and Juju yes. I'm gonna make an addendum to that too. get rid of Jones too I don't think Tevin Jones yeah is the guy that you're really gonna look to keep around that's just a we'll nice see. guy that's filling in a roster right. spot right now but Johnny Holton has found himself in the doghouse I, I don't think. think he's played any snaps offensively. I think he's maybe played a couple here yeah. or there but nothing of significance yeah. nothing where they're throwing deep balls to him anymore Deion Kane is taking that role right. and he's he's, he's succeeding drawing pass interferences <laughs> he or has he's two making catches, catches. <laughs> yeah. exactly but with, as far as Dion Kane's concerned I mean right now going into next year you got Juju Washington and Johnson for sure yeah. as part of your receiving core but there's still a spot there for that fourth guy yep. and I think Dion Kane he's got a nice little head start they yeah. might draft a rookie yeah who sure. knows what they'll do in the offseason as far and as signing a free agent goes but it's a head start for Dion Kane and like you said Doc Hodges without a doubt is going to get an invite yep. to Latrobe Deion Kane, in my mind, and Kareth White, for that matter, yeah. have earned invites to Latrobe sure. at least as as a training camp invite. And this isn't exactly related, but uh, I think after what you've seen Deontay Johnson do this year, I don't think Ryan Switzer has a future here. Especially his only especially in his pun, only the punt return, punt return game, and at he wasn't this point, doing that well. At this point, Deontay is the is the guy there, so maybe that does open up an extra roster spot next year too. Just throwing that out there. And again, as Deontay Johnson progresses as a wide receiver, kind of plays more of a role in that sense yeah, of the game. You kind of want to take him out sure. of the kick return game, punt return game, yeah. because, hey, you don't want him to get injured. That's right. what they did with sure. A.B. They'd put A.B. back there when they needed a big play, but mm-hmm. he's not going to be returning all the punts because, hey, he means too much for the offense. And you're hoping that Deontay Johnson can get there at some point, but at least for the rest of this year and probably all of next year, he's your punt returner. Kareth yep. White, he's made it clear that he's the kick returner. He's got so much speed. A lot of ability to get the Steelers out to, say, the 30, 35-yard line, get them past the 20 at least so it's not just a touchback. And that's something that they've been lacking in the field position battle, and Kareth White has just been phenomenal at that. But the practice squad all-stars, the Kane, the the Hodges, and the Kareth Whites, mm-hmm. they, they, without a doubt, deserve not the team MVP, but they deserve some sort of recognition after this season because, like Tomlin said, you know they're striking a blow for team. It's the ultimate team here, and yep. everybody's putting their hand in the pile. And all the cliches that Tomlin uses, those three really kind of embody what he means by that, as in it, it doesn't matter who their name is nope. on the back. These guys are going to go out there and make a play when they're called upon to help us as a unit get a big win. Sure. And they have been all year long. It's been the next man up, and you've heard Tomlin say that how many times in his tenure here in Pittsburgh over the last 13 years? And you know what's crazy is, like, and it's not Tomlin's fault because that's the right message to preach, but right. when you had guys like Brown, Bell, and, and Ben even, it, it, you won with those three. Yep. And if they went off, you were pretty confident that you were going to win. 
win, and there wasn't a week where they didn't go off right. because they were that good. But when Tomlin comes out there saying, you know, next man up and it's a team thing, it kind of falls flat a little bit when you know that it's these three guys right. and two of the three, Bell and Brown, are taking a lot of credit mm -hmm. for the wins. And now you're seeing exactly what he means by that message because it does not matter no. who is out there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to win football games because they play great in all three phases yep. of the game and yeah. defense especially and yeah. that's just exactly what you want out of this team and, and moving forward next year when you get your quarterback back that is just an exciting prospect to have is it got as a team where everybody's bought in the egos are to the side mm -hmm. and now we got the 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 right guy under center again right. it should be fun to see where they can go if they keep this mentality yeah. and i have no doubt they will no right i completely agree and, and i've said it before but this season's been a crazy roller coaster year but yet here this team sits at eight and five with three games to go and they control their own destiny if you just said that to me six weeks ago i'd have told you were nuts Eight and five, control your own destiny, and they got a big one on Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills, who are sitting at nine and four, just a game ahead of the Steelers. When we come back, we'll kind of turn the page on the Cardinals game, and we'll get a little bit into the Steelers and Bills primetime matchup that'll be for the five seed. That's up next. Tom Opferman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler Remotes right here on Steelers Blitz. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes today on the Steelers Blitz, wrapping things up here. And we're going to look ahead to the Steelers Sunday night primetime matchup against the 9-4 Buffalo Bills, 8-5 Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a game for the five mm -hmm. seed in the wild card race. And boy, does the NFL look like geniuses. Yeah, they do. For flexing this game to Sunday night because you, you thought it'd be a game between two winning teams anyway, but now it means a hell of a lot. And yeah. Most important game on the schedule as far as the playoff race is concerned next week. I do know Titans and Texans play, and that's a big one, but no one yeah. wants to watch AFC South football. So therefore, you get Bills at Steelers. Coming into Heinz Field, you know, right off the top of my head, that's the one thing that stands out as a big advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. I think it's the reason why early lines on this game have the Steelers being a one-point favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's why— Right I've now there are two. I just oh, it just went up to two? just went up to two. And I think it's another reason why ESPN's Football Power Index gives the Steelers about a 51-52% chance yep. to come away with a victory in this game. Heinz uh, Field has been a phenomenal home field advantage for this team all year long. And when you have a really great defense, you know, being at home really just changes things so much yep. because you start to force the other team to go on a silent count. And your monsters, TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, are looking at the ball the same as the Bills' offensive line is, and they're getting just as good of a jump as the offensive line is. So big factor there is the Steelers crowd, all you drunk Yenzers, <laughs> on a Sunday night who have been drinking all day long in the parking <laughs> lot. It's just it's going to be a madhouse when it comes to Heinz Field. Yeah. And, you know... The guys lining up on the defensive side of the ball for the Bills, there are no slouches no. either. And in fact, when you look at the statistics, they're better than the Pittsburgh Steelers are at defense in every category except for one. And I think it's a key one here, Kellen. 
you can run the ball a little bit on mm. this Buffalo Bills defense. They gave up 105 yards on the ground in the year. That's ranked 14th, and that is such an outlier when you look at the rest of their stats because yeah. they're third in passing yards allowed. They're third in total yards allowed, and they allow the second least amount of points per game of any team in the NFL to this point. Mm-hmm. So when you see that they're 14th in run defense and you can get – they're they're giving up over 100 yards per game. Mm-hmm. That's something that when you're really formulating a game plan early in the week, you got to look at how to make that running game go for the Pittsburgh Steelers again because that's the glaring weakness with the Buffalo Bills. And like you said last week, they did a pretty solid job stopping the run against yep. the Baltimore Ravens. But still, if you're formulating a way to beat them, that's the way to beat them because, again, the Ravens have a little trouble running the ball, 3.6 yards per carry against the Bills last week. Still went over 100 yards, had 118 yards. So even if you're having a little tough sledding of it, I think the Ravens proved and teams all year have proved that the way to beat the Bills is to just keep pounding that Mm. rock and just keep running the football. Yeah, and I think think that's – I mean, that's kind of been the Steelers' – bread and butter the last couple weeks and they had 140 yards rushing yesterday uh, against uh, not a good defense but still they had 140 yards rushing as a team that's pretty good over 100 yards again against the browns the week before right right and so that they're on the right path there uh, i think and and again i said this to you off air but these two teams are really similar when you look at buffalo and pittsburgh they both have I guess mediocre offenses. They're kind of offenses that are struggling a little bit. The Steelers are struggling for completely different reasons than the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, Josh Allen hasn't played his best football this year for the Bills, but they're struggling for other reasons. He's coming on lately. He has. He has come on lately. Sure. Not turning the ball over like he had been earlier in the season. Right, right. But the the defenses of these two teams are are, phenomenal defenses. They're really, really good. And, uh, you know, I think the one. The one place where the Steelers, you know, can can at least their defense can get after they can get after that uh, they can get after Josh Allen. They can maybe like they did against Kyler Murray, get around him, make him kind of force the ball because Josh Allen will do that. He it, when he's pressured, he'll Without throw the ball up. I mean, he did it a lot yesterday against the Ravens. Now, granted, it was kind of late in the game when he was just throwing the ball up for grabs and just trying to get something going. But um, these two teams are. I mean, eerily similar. They they play the same type of football, and if you're a betting if you're a betting man, uh, hammer the under in this game. I don't see how uh, these teams would can can consistently score on each other. I just don't. Exactly, and you know the Bills have 38 sacks on the year. The Steelers obviously outpace that. And I think that's another part of this game where the Steelers have a little bit of an advantage against a Buffalo Bills team that you know when you really look at it. The Bills probably have a little more on the offensive side mm-hmm. of things, but they both can play a defensive brand of football yep. to a very equal amount. Again, the Steelers probably a little better defending the run than yeah. the Bills have been this year, but the Steelers should be able to get after Josh Allen. The Ravens harassed him yesterday. Yeah, they they were had six him. sacks. They had 12, quarter, 12 quarterback hits. Yeah. That's phenomenal from a defense, and – the Ravens defense, like we said, they're coming on of late, and they've been very good. They don't pass rush like the Steelers no. defense. No one really in the league does. So it should be a fun day for Watt and Bud Dupree, yeah. especially at home with the crowd right. and the silent count that the Bills are going to go after. I'm sure they're going to have to. Right? I, I think that you know you can really start to rattle Josh Allen, and although he didn't throw any interceptions against the Ravens yesterday, I think that you, know, you put him in the dirt enough – times and he's on the road this time whereas he was at home against the Ravens he's gonna be goaded into at least one Mm -hmm. maybe two interceptions and honestly 
it's a safe bet now if you're the Steelers that they're going to get yeah, a right, turnover right. in this game, whether it be yeah. interceptions or the Bengals game. You know, they yeah. didn't pick off Ryan Finley, but they forced two fumbles mm-hmm. and recovered them both. So right. I think, you know, for the Steelers to win, you got to get the same amount, if not better, pressure that the Ravens did mm-hmm. against Josh Allen, and you got to force him into turnovers. Right, and and the the one thing about Allen, you do have to respect his running ability, too. You can't just send a, a jailhouse blitz and then not you know not uh cover it up on the back end where where Allen can escape and use his legs because he is a he is a very good runner he, he he's he's shown that um but you're right if they can continually hem him in I mean they, it's kind of the same approach defensively that you you had against Kyler Murray in Arizona this week you, you have to contain him you don't want him to break contain you're probably going to see a spy every once in a while on Josh Allen maybe not as much as you did against Kyler Murray um, but you have to be aware of that. And again, uh, the Steelers get after the quarterback better than just about anybody in the league. I don't see how they don't get in Josh Allen's face in this one. And, and as you said, maybe force him into a couple uh, questionable throws. Right. Maybe you know one gets you know bad at the line or whatever it might be. Um, I mean, guys don't like getting hit <laughs> playing oh, quarterback. Yeah. Quarterbacks don't like getting hit. Now, I don't care who you are. Um, so, you know, I'm sure yesterday Allen had some uh, – he was probably thinking some not-so-nice thoughts being hit 12 times playing against the Baltimore defense. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I mean, this is a – it's a huge game for both teams. And don't undermine that, that this is just as big of a game for, for Buffalo as it is for Pittsburgh because, as we said, they still kind of have the division. Uh, they still play New England to come up. This is a huge game for both teams. They're really kicking themselves, too, dropping that game. I don't know how hard you can kick yourself to lose to the best team in football at your own place. Right. But, you know, they win that game against the Ravens. They're in the driver's seat against the Mm -hmm. Patriots because, you know, you beat the Patriots now in not this week but the week after. You knock them back to four losses, and you have three, assuming that you take care of business against the Steelers right, sure, this week, sure. too. So you don't have to worry about the, the going down the line of tiebreakers because the Patriots obviously have the first game against the Bills. Mm-hmm. So they'll split, and then it would go to co- division opponents right, and, and right, stuff right. like that. So uh, if you're the Bills, I agree, such a big game for them as well. But, you know, and I, I kind of hate dealing in this kind of minutia, but like this is a game where the Bills seem to always lose and <laughs> yeah. the Steelers seem to always win yeah. and now they're different teams this year yep. and you know the past really doesn't predicate the future or the present but when you just look at it on paper from a fan's perspective say you're a Niners fan and mm-hmm. you're just looking at the the slate for next week Bills going into Pittsburgh 9 and 4 Bills 8 and 5 Steelers Bills are due for another loss mm-hmm. there cuz that wreck Bills never get to 10 right. wins. They haven't gotten to 10 wins since 1999, wow. Kellen. That's unbelievable. Yeah. The Steelers, you know, they've been proving that they can win games with their practice squad all-stars and yep. their phenomenal defense. It's just something that strikes me as uh, we've seen this movie a thousand yeah. times if you're a Buffalo Bills fan and going into Pittsburgh is not what you want coming off of a, lo- a tough loss to the Baltimore Ravens is another tough road game in a very hostile environment. Yeah against the team that other than that Seattle game hasn't lost a game at home this year yeah and as you I think the oh, one excuse of, me the Seattle and the Ravens game. yeah right, right, two right. Games at home. Uh, I, I think the biggest factor in this too is that it is at home for the Steelers that defense plays so much better when they're at, at home they, they're a good defense regardless don't get me wrong but in that stats, Seattle game no Minka right so. right right yeah that's a good point and, and their stats are so much different 
on, be, based on being home and on the road. The sacks. The sacks, right. The now sacks they, are the they, biggest they thing. They helped out their road sacks right, yesterday. Right, five yesterday. But it was kind of a home game, to be honest. <laughs> it kind of was, The Cardinals yeah. were going on the yeah. silent count. They had yeah. to be for some of that game. Yeah. It was just so loud. Right, and, and shout out to, to Steeler Nation. We, we really didn't get a chance to, to talk about that. We didn't talk about that at all, but it was basically a pseudo home game or at least a neutral site game for, for Pittsburgh yesterday. But, yeah, this beings that this game is at home, that should give you a bunch of confidence moving oh, yeah. forward if you're the Steelers. And, and if you're Josh Allen, you're just hoping that you don't get hit more than 10, 15 times like you did against against the Ravens the week before. You're hoping that, but if you're watching film, you're like, damn. You're like, this defense <laughs> yeah. is going to be a tough one to yep. face. And, you're, and I'm sure Ducky Hodges is thinking the same thing. No, absolutely, but I'd probably have a little more faith in my offensive line if I was I Duck Hodges than I would if I was Josh Allen sure. in the Buffalo Bills. That's going to do it for us, though. Thank you to Euler and Motes yeah. for letting us fill in for them here on the Blitz. You can catch those guys back in their normal time slot on Wednesday. We'll be bringing you the Tomlin Press Conference tomorrow at noon. For Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. This has been the Steelers Blitz.